Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Movie Attic Headquarters with your host, Betty Jo Tucker, author of Confessions of a Movie Attic, right here at www.blogtalkradio.com. This is Betty Jo Tucker thanking you for tuning in to Movie Addict Headquarters. We're dedicating this episode to Robin Williams, a comic genius who brought laughter to people throughout the world, and as Mork, maybe even throughout the galaxy. Our thoughts and prayers go out to his family, friends, and fans during this difficult time. He will be greatly missed changing gears now a little folks today's show is a very special one for me because we're celebrating the fourth anniversary of the kindle launch for it had to be us the award-winning romantic memoir my husband and i wrote under the pen names of harry and elizabeth lawrence and four count them four very important people are here to help with the festivities Filmmaker Misha Zubarev, who's working on the movie adaptation of the book, is with us. Diana Sanger, who published the paperback version, is also here, as is Denise Casino, publisher of the Kindle ebook. And film historian James Colt Harrison has agreed to co-host. Plus, in honor of this special anniversary, Denise is offering relaunch bonuses to new readers of It Had to Be Us. So, as you can see, folks, we have a lot to cover in 45 minutes. But before we begin, I want to remind everyone that the chat room is open, and I'd like to thank the people who, uh, who participate in the chat. We really appreciate them as well as our other listeners. And we also appreciate James Colt Harrison every time he's on our show. James, thanks for agreeing to co-host again. Oh, well, I didn't know I was co-hosting. I would have gotten out of my pajamas had I known. Well, you don't have to when you're on Blog Talk Radio. That's one of the perks of being a co-host. <laughs> I'm so glad. I'm so glad you're here, and I'll be calling on you to help with our interview with Misha right after I talk with our two publishers. Let's bring Diana on first because she's the first person to believe it. It had to be us many years ago, of course. Most of our listeners know Diana as the founder of Classic Movie Guide and one of our favorite guests, but she also heads up her own publishing company. Diana, thanks for calling in. I know you have a very busy day today. Well, my pleasure, Betty Jo. I wouldn't miss this show for anything. I'm so glad to hear that. It's always fun to hear from you. And and you know that my question for you is, why in the world did you pick It Had to Be Us as one of the first books to be published by Sands Publishing Company? I'm really glad you did, but why did you? (laughs) I've been wondering all these years. (laughs) You know, we knew Betty Jo and Larry. They lived here in San Diego, and Betty was part of our film critics group, so we were around them all the time, you know, and they were just this lovely couple, and um, just got along, and their their temperaments, their humor, just matched and matched, and um, it was wonderful. And 
you know, a, a publisher looking for a story looks for that awe moment. And um, Betty Jo ended up leaving for Colorado and found out we had started this company and sent me this story. And I'm going, uh, what? <laughs> the surprise, you know, of of uh, what happened, the long um, divorce, the similarities of getting remarried and both of you losing your spouses in the same way and reuniting. I mean, it was just a perfect love story, you know, that um, the conflict, the, oh, my gosh, it's over, oh, maybe it's not. I mean, it's just something that propels readers to keep turning pages. So we were just delighted to um, take that on, and it had nothing to do that you were my friend or it was the story. It just grabbed us. That was such a surprise to Larry and me. I kind of remember sending it to you and thinking, oh, um, really, maybe Denise will uh, will tell me about my punctuation and my grammar and help, you know, shape up the shape up the story. But to have you actually accept it as uh, one of your first books for your pub- publishing company, what an honor that was for Larry and for me. And we're just so grateful to you for believing in that romantic memoir. And you're the one, Diana, who said uh, it's the little book that could. <laughs> because <laughs> it's, the, you know, back in 2001, and uh, so you don't expect, you know, it to be causing much commotion, <laughs> you know, for five, uh, you know, this many years. But then the uh, the editor of the Romance Club uh, turned it into uh, ebook. That was uh, Laura Mills Alcott, and she did the first ebook, and so that uh, was was fun for us. We really enjoyed that, uh, and it was a little bit of an extended version, uh, which we included some uh, recipes in that uh, that were kind of film related, and um, and then. Along comes uh, Denise Casino, and uh, she publishes an an expanded version of that uh, four years ago on uh, the Kindle. And Denise, so now it's your turn. You you were on our show four years ago for the original Kindle launch, which ended up with it had to be us zooming in to number one in one of the Amazon Kindle categories on that day. So welcome back to Movie Attic Headquarters, Denise. Well, I'm thrilled to be here, and I'm excited for you and your anniversary of a number one bestseller. Wow. Well, it was number one then. I, I don't know how it's doing now. You you did uh, start the the anniversary launch, I believe, uh, about four or five days ago, and I remember on the first uh, on the first at the end of the first day, it it went from uh, thirteen. Number thirteen to to number to number three, and I thought that was that was amazing after just one one day of the of the the launch. So congratulations to you on on that. And Larry and I really are impressed with with your Kindle version and and your remarkable book launches. You've done every one of my book launches, and uh, I've ended up with bragging rights as as a bestseller. So. Uh, tell us why you think um, anybody should participate in this uh, It Had to Be Us relaunch. Well, first, the book is delightful, and I think it touches all of us that have ever been 
in the early stages of love. Because that back and forth, he said, she said format, is so poignant. There are so many places where I feel in my own heart the way you felt. And it's so interesting to me to hear how Larry, how a man thinks. You know, we think we're the only ones wringing our hands, we women. But men are doing it too. When they really feel the passion and the love for someone, they're so fearful of doing something wrong or losing it or ruining it or or do they even want it at all? You know, it's so much angst and, and back and forth. But then the joy when you you remarry, it's beautiful. Uh, well, I, I'm glad that you mentioned about showing how uh, that the men feel about these kinds of things. And I think Larry was very brave in what he wrote um, in the book. And But I was a little bit upset when I when our daughter read the the first draft and she said, You know, Mom, Dad's a better writer <laughs> <laughs> And I was really angry because she was right. <laughs> so <laughs> But anyway, it was it was uh some of the things that he wrote was such a revelation to to me and uh, very very surprising. So I'm I'm so happy that you that you mentioned that. Uh, well, it, if if anyone wants to take part in this uh, relaunch, what what do they um, what would what would they get? I were I talked about the bonus items and so how how well, do they our find? Our goal here is to get you back up to number one. You've been at number three today, and I think you might be down to number four right now. Oh, but no. people can do one of two things. They can go to Amazon and look for your book in the Kindle store. It had to be us by Harry and Elizabeth Lawrence. But right now I'm going to go into your website and I'm going to put a link to the launch page and all the bonuses on the home page for today. Oh, okay. And that way people can go to your website. They will, uh, com, and they, in a few minutes they will see a tab there that says uh, it had to be us book launch. And if you click that, then you can buy the book from Amazon, but you'll be able to come back and get the bonuses, which are wonderful, because they're interviews, radio interviews, with some very high-powered people. Debbie Reynolds, Barry Bostwick, a lot of great people that you've interviewed, and they're fun to listen to. So I hope that people will make that effort to get over to your website and buy the book. Well, that makes a lot of sense that that you would uh, have people go to my website rather than the the launch link because that's a long link. So so again that's just uh com, and then they'll find out how to how to get the the bonuses. I, I think we've also included a um the ebook for or the PDF of of my other memoir Confessions of a Movie Addict. Yes, we do have that on there. That that you get that uh, while you're also uh, getting the It Had to Be Us book, and you get a copy of uh, uh, 
the little uh, book that came out of our class. That's uh, right. Our uh, real deal writing about movies book uh, or um, ebook course. Right, and the six lessons, and uh, and then uh, I want to be sure to mention. Uh, to people that uh, that the the book is only five dollars and ninety nine cents, and that uh, Larry and I uh, donate all our authors royalties from this book to the Imagination Library, which is a children's literacy uh, project uh, sponsored by the Dollywood Foundation. So um, I think it's a, uh, whoever buys the book knows that they're uh, they're also. Uh, contributing money to a very worthy cause. Well, let's talk a little bit more about all your book launches and other services. Uh, a lot of people that listen to our show uh, are authors or want to be authors, and um, I'd like them to know a little bit about about what you can do for them. Well, my my bestseller program generally consists of three aspects. Many authors don't have any kind of a social media platform. And if, you know, publishers look for that, and also fans, readers, will take time to go look at your Twitter account or look at your Facebook page if you're an author. And if you don't have that, or you only have 20 followers or friends on social media, you don't look like you're a very powerful person or that your book is very powerful. So that's the first thing I do is I work with people to develop an overall game plan. We create images for Twitter and Facebook. We write tweets. The interesting thing is so many people think, I don't know how to do all that. Well, most people's websites are full of potential tweets. So I show them that they don't have to reinvent the wheel. They have the material. Go to your book, go to your website, and you know, you can, you can find the material you want for your social media postings. The second thing I do is I help authors get in the right categories. Amazon has oh, many, many categories, but most people don't know anything about how to find them, choose them, or request them. So I help them do that. And then I have learned how to optimize your sales page on Amazon using Amazon's tools. And I think it's a unique and proprietary part of my program, so I don't think anyone else that that works on these book launches is doing it. So that gets your book highly ranked and keeps it there. Like yours, Betty Jo, has been in the top 15, I think, for the last four years. I think it has. I think that's right. It's it's just up there and it stays. And that means the book can be found. You know, people put in a keyword. You know, if if your book's using that keyword on the sales page and you're in the top ten, you're going to be found. So that's key. And then finally, I do a big e-blast, and I have more than 200,000 Twitter followers on about a dozen accounts total. And so I do, uh, I tweet every 15 minutes for six days to 200,000 people. I pin (laughs) images to Pinterest every 90 minutes for six days. I have a flyer that goes out to 4,500. We do a press release. We do a pretty comprehensive program. 
It's really comprehensive. 95% of the time, my authors get a number one. 100% of the time, they get bestseller. Yeah. Which is the top 100 in category. It's amazing. Give them the link where they can find out more information. Um, we're, um, Misha's waiting patiently in the green room, and we're, we want to bring him on. So give give us the link where the where uh, we can find more information about uh, your services, Denise. Okay, bestsellerservices.com, and my phone number and email are on there. Great, bestsellerservices.com. So that's easy to remember. I hope uh, people who... Uh, who uh, what a wonderful PR campaign will uh, will contact you. Uh, thanks so much, Denise. Do you have time to stay on the line for Misha's interview? Yeah, I'll stay on for a while. Great, great. Well, moving along now to Misha, who's been waiting patiently in the green room. Uh, actually, Misha's been on our show many times before. He was here four years ago for the initial uh, launch of the Kindle, it had to be us. Thanks, Misha, for joining us again today. Thank you so much for having me, Betty Jo. Um, I, uh, I, was, I was watching, uh, listening to the show as Denise was uh, just talking about bestseller services. It's quite, quite impressive, quite impressive. I'm, uh, I, uh, I, and, you know, your book is such a wonderful novel that uh, it's really no surprise that uh, it's, it's, it's the number one bestseller right now on Amazon. Well, it's it's always so great to have you with us, and Larry and I appreciate so much your interest in our uh, romantic memoir. And as you know, I love your screenplay, but I want to tell everybody before we talk about uh, that and bring James back on with his questions, I want to just uh, go over a, a little bit about your background in film. Uh, you really aren't content to focus just in one area. You've worked as a camera operator, videographer, lighting assistant, producer, production assistant, cinematographer, editor, script supervisor, actor, that's how I first found you, and director. <laughs> and Misha's been involved in various capacities on such movies as Four Funny Families, Loneliness, Annapolis, Shooter, and Synecdoche, I never could say that, Synecdoche, New York. His own film, 18 and Out, was chosen to be included in NBC's The Screening Room. He also directed an award-winning TV series titled The Wisdom Tree, and that was. And he's been highlighted in Movie Maker Magazine. So now I think James had some questions he would like to ask you about It Had to Be Us. So, James, you're on. I'm on. Okay. Uh, Yay. Misha, <laughs> hi. How are you? Hey, James. Yeah, I have a question for you. Uh, how did you become interested in It Had to Be Us? Well, you know, actually, uh, I what Dan said, and I, I think she just really just said it perfectly, is that, you know, this is a perfect love story. And It Had to Be Us is just a beautiful, beautiful story. It's about the magic, the magic of love, and it's about the journey of two individuals who were meant to be together. Um it's yes. a story that's really, you know, it's just not bound by space or time or even age. And uh, it's, it's something that sh- truly shows to me, at least, the, the miracle of, of true love. Right, yeah. Well, they certainly do love each other. I know them personally, so I know it's all true. You know, one thing <laughs> I actually wanted to, would like to say, it is, it's very true. You know, when I was thinking about the story, I, I thought to myself, you know, how, how cool would it be that it, I, I looked at um, Elizabeth and Harry's story as a Romeo and Juliet, but a Romeo and Juliet, what if? And imagine that, you know, what if Romeo and Juliet didn't have the, 
uh, tragic ending that they had, yeah. uh, but rather what if they actually went on to stay married and to have kids, and you know, let's say for let's say for 24 years, right? And then right. let's say what if we take it even a step further? What if after those 24 years, suddenly they go through a very painful divorce? I take it even further. What if after the 24 years of divorce, suddenly they have a chance encounter? Uh, <laughs> and I thought, you know, <laughs> this is uh, the question really is, does, uh, does love pass the test of time? And I think this novel really clearly uh, answers that question. And, and at least in my mind, you know, when I watch a lot of uh, romance and, and comedy and dramatic films and, you know, dramedy, romantic dramedy uh, films, how many stories, how many of these films actually are based on real people? You know, think about it. It's, this is a, a memoir turned novelette. Uh, about a couple of actually have gone through this on a personal basis. They know what it's like to, uh, to be apart. They know what it's like to actually work to build a relationship and to come back together. And how inspiring is that? There's so many people out there. I mean, I, I just see people searching for love and people who are lost and uh, the so-called translation of what the meaning of life of love is, and you know, love is so misconstrued and misconveyed in, in media. And the story just truly speaks about uh, the the true meaning of romance. Exactly. And, yeah. And it's just such a powerful story that I, I think it's you know anybody who really touches this story is uh, really truly blessed. And this is a gem. This is truly truly a gem. That that that's how I feel about it. Great. Well, I have a, a, another question to ask you. Uh, in, in what way is your screenplay different from the book? Well, this is a very good question. Uh, the script, as I adapted it, I was thinking about how to stay true to the story, to the story of love and romance and uh, the story of how uh, Harry and Elizabeth came together, but at the same time to uh, actually make it something uh, to make it more visual uh, and to recreate certain scenes uh, into, I guess, into a modern-day story, but also use the tools of film. And the tools of film, what's, what's beautiful about the filmmaking to me is that you can use, it's not just about camera, it's not just about lighting, it's, um, it's really everything combined, but more importantly, we can actually use the tool of um, what, what, what we refer to as um, magical realism, to, uh, to, to convey a story. And I, I really kind of fell in love with this idea of using uh, some various motifs in the story uh, to identify with Elizabeth and with who she is and with her, with her background and what, what, really, what really her character is about. So just to illustrate that, I, if you don't mind, I have, I, have a, uh, I have a page that I would like to read from the book and then I'd love to go to the screenplay and uh, so, so the listeners could see exactly and hear exactly how the adaptation of the, uh, the page from, from page of book to the page of the screen actually uh, happens. So if we turn to the very first page of it has to be after the book and it's, uh, it begins with what, what is it all about? And it starts like this. Sitting across the aisle from each other in a world history class, high school, high school juniors Harry and Elizabeth showed more interest in each other than in learning about social studies. Harry liked Elizabeth's smile. She was captivated by his offbeat sense of humor, even when it got her in trouble for laughing out loud in class. 
Now, this is how the book opens. <laughs> and uh, so I, I'm going to stop right there. And then I'm going to open up my screenplay. And I just, just to show how this was adapted, on the second page of the script, I'll show how the, how the, high, school, uh, how the high school scene comes together. So it starts like this. And by the way, the screenplay actually begins on a different scene. It begins with Elizabeth, with young Elizabeth, who is eight years old. And the exposition of the, of the scene, it shows Elizabeth who falls in love with movies, Elizabeth who sees the magic of film, Elizabeth who watches her very first film, which is, uh, which is The Wizard of Oz. And she really wants to have the kind of life that she sees in film, this magical, beautiful world, a world filled with uh, happy endings. And this is really, this girl and this attitude towards film and towards life translates itself into her later years when she becomes an adult and she becomes a film critic. So that's the exposition, that's young Elizabeth. I'm going to pick it up uh, when she is actually in, in, in high school, uh, which is eight years later. So this, uh, this script goes like this. Interior high school classroom, eight years later. Insert title card, Colorado, Colorado. Black and white saturates to color. Teenage Elizabeth, 15, enters the classroom. She casts a look upon a, upon a teen with a peculiar, peculiar round face, full lips, and, and a big, large nose, dressed in a plaid shirt. He gradually attains a remarkable resemblance to Alfred Hitchcock. Teenage Elizabeth, oh, Alfred, you always had a peculiar look in your face. I wonder who your next victim will be. I hope it's not our history teacher. The little boy cowers in the seat, and a shadow befalls his face. A girl, sitting in the same row behind him, smirks. Elizabeth casts a look at the girl, and her face suddenly attains a resemblance to that of Marilyn Monroe. Teenage Elizabeth. You should fix your hair. You should fix your hair, Marilyn. The girl rolls her eyes. Finally, she notices teenage Harry, 15, who is wearing a belted, buckled, button-down, button-hip-length vest in ribless cotton. She notices her, and their eyes meet. Elizabeth's voiceover. But when I saw Harry for the first time, he reminded me of Freeze Frame and Harry. Superimposed the cowardly lion from Wizard of Oz over Harry's face. (laughs) Elizabeth laughed. Oh, no, no, of course not. Superimposed Elvis Presley's face, who takes off his glasses and winks. Elizabeth. Nope, not him. Superimposed the face of Grouchy Marx. Elizabeth. Giggles. Not even close. Finally, superimposed Romeo from Romeo and Juliet. Elizabeth. Romeo. <laughs> so, so this will be. This is. Uh, this shows uh, essentially how Elizabeth sees the world, and you know, just this very first couple of pages, we, we're already, already turned on into uh, in, into this magical uh, environment, which will carry us through uh, the entire project. And uh, and there's many other differences uh, in the story. Um, Many of them stay true to who Elizabeth and Harry and uh, and Harry are, and I, you know, Beth, Betty Jo and I went back and forth when we were discussing the story, and I asked Betty Jo, for example, to name her favorite uh, a favorite food that they share. So Betty, Betty Jo uh, told me that they love this uh, chocolate sundae cake, and uh, so I just using the chocolate sundae cake. Um, what uh, what I did was I had a I, I had a scene in the in a supermarket where for the first time where Elizabeth and Harry meet for the very first time and how they both go and search for this cake to take to their daughter to, to, to take to their daughter's Christmas party 
And Carrie takes the last one. He takes the last cake. There's no other cakes left. And uh, this battle resumes over this cake, which essentially tells us the backstory of Harry and Elizabeth. And, uh, and so there's many other things that, uh, that I've adapted and I've extended based on my conversations with Betty Jo. And, uh, you know, I, I hope that uh, it, it, uh, it stays true and uh, it stays true to the love story that's, uh, that was conveyed on, in the novel. Oh my gosh! I'm so glad you you did that. I mean, for the for the listeners, and and that really helped helped me uh, too. I I I really uh, enjoy the way you you've uh, added these wonderful uh, visual touches, and um, I I like the scene that you put in after the after Harry and Elizabeth start arguing about the cake. And uh, they they then uh, they then uh, accuse each other of being characters out of what what movie is it uh, War of the Ro- Hello. Hello. I'm still here. <laughs> I'm here too. Hi, yeah, and, we, we and, may have and James, yes. and, yeah, and I don't uh, know what happened. She's black, uh, shut down or something. Is is Betty we, Jo lost? Hello, yeah, Betty Jo is live. Well, you know, maybe we should kind of. This frequently happens. It does. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. It was a technical difficulty. Always happens. <laughs> One time, Jim oh, had to do the whole show by himself. Oh, Betty oh, Jo is back. <laughs> It's yes, I'm back. Show, you. He's back. <laughs> I, I'm back. I, oh, I apologize for that because I hope everybody. You were everybody taking vows. We know. <laughs> I know not vows. I, Diana, I was saying that your your comment when we were talking about the screenplay was, it's kind of like uh, the um, the War of the Roses meets the Notebook. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Because they 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 do get in they do get into some scraps Harry and and uh, Elizabeth Lawrence. Well, I'm sorry to interrupt, Misha, um, and that was a very good question, James. And um, Misha, do you have any other uh, illustrations yeah. of? There are okay. so many. There's so many. For example, it's a modern day story, and you know because I wanted to try the, the original story takes place. I I believe correct me if I'm wrong, Betty Joe, but I believe it's in the 80s. Um, and I, I've actually tried to make it true to the real time, to you know, to the present day. And I, I was thinking, how would Elizabeth be in 2013? And you know, one question that really came up in my mind was, is she, uh, is she a tech-savvy person or is she not a tech-savvy person? And you know, now everybody uses iPads and iPhones, and and uh, which is, which is, you know, something that's just recently come, come to the market, and most people are. Uh, some people are still getting used to it, and some are still not uh, adapt to it. And so I thought, wouldn't it be funny to to show Elizabeth as one of her characters uh, expresses it as a tech? No, as and obviously the uh, the point there is there's a musical techno, but also techno means you're not technology technologically not uh, 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 adapt. So I thought it'd be really funny to just add one of the scenes where she has a press conference because she's a film critic. She goes, she's invited to a press conference. With a very renowned actress, and uh, and all her questions are on this iPad, 
And suddenly, as you, those of you who have iPads, you probably know that after a certain period of time, if you haven't turned on sleep mode, the iPad automatically goes to sleep mode. And, uh, and incidentally, if you, don't, uh, if, if you actually borrowed somebody else's iPad, which Elizabeth did, she borrowed uh, her best friend Kay's iPad, because Elizabeth, uh, the story is that she, uh, her computer froze, and she, everything was just completely chaotic. Her computer flow froze. She didn't have a printout, and so Kay let her borrow her iPad. And, uh, and was, when Elizabeth was asking, was trying to ask the question of uh, this uh, actress, she realized her iPad actually turned off, went into sleep mode, and when she tried to open it, she couldn't remember the password. But uh, because she's a, she's a genius uh, film critic and interviewer, she managed to really wing it and ask the best question, uh, which essentially got her to have a personal interview with, with a celebrity um, actress. And... Uh, and it actually turned out a lot better than had she used technology. So there's a lot of motifs um, and a lot of different uh, modern-day uh, uh, adaptations and many, many other structural changes that were made. For example, in the book, there's two Christmases, uh, whereas in the story, I tried to condense it to make one Christmas where Harry and Elizabeth essentially meet over uh, this, one, uh, this one Christmas and they uh, continue they continue to meet. Uh, then uh, Elizabeth invites him to uh, to a premiere, and uh, it shows all different complexities. And you know, Harry, he's he's somebody who is a lot more uh, uh, private, and you know, he's somebody who watches, plays golf in the day, and you know, watches television at night, and has all the money he needs. And so he, you know, he's very confident, but yet he's very, very private, and he doesn't really want to share his feelings with Elizabeth, who is very open. And very receptive, and you know, and uh, but this this uh, this difference between the two of them is just so perfect, because really, uh, really they're just a perfect match, and I think the the, the core of the story is really uh, is really still in the screenplay, with uh, even though the adaptation, the modern day adaptation, and the you know use of uh, 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 magical realism to a subtle degree and uh, various other motifs which are not in the book, I think the book really helped it. And uh, without the passion and without the love that just came across on the page, just as, uh, just as the end had described and just as the news had described, I don't think the, the script would, would be anything that it is today. Well, it's, I, I really, really think that you've done a wonderful job on the, on the script. And, and um, Misha, can you hear me? Oh, I can hear you just fine. Yeah. Okay, good. It's interesting that so many readers commented on the book's screen appeal. And you know, the most recent review we received is from um, one of our film critics, Richard Jack Smith, who lives in Wales. And, and this is um, one of the sentences he wrote. He said, quote, the potential for a feature-length motion picture is strong here, unquote. Uh, I was so pleased that he... Uh, included that in his review and um, coincidentally he has read both the book and the screenplay and he sent me an email with the comment uh, that uh, he said Misha's screenplay enriches the story while staying true to the book and I definitely agree with him um, now I was wondering if you can bring our listeners up to date on the, on the progress you've made so far on this film project of course I I think that well, uh, 
first of all, I, I totally agree. I, I think that this is such a visual uh, the story just likes to be made on screen. And I have some great news. Uh, as Virgil, you and I have already discussed, the two actors who uh, we wrote the project for, they have agreed to, to be a part of this project. And we have the letter of intent to prove it. I still cannot release exactly who they are because we're still ironing out the uh, details. With uh, I, I want to make sure that uh, for marketing and publicity, the timing is right, uh, and a lot of it has to do with uh, uh, with things behind the scenes regarding financing and uh, and all these other great, beautiful uh, magic uh, you know motors that kind of keep the film business running, uh, but. I'm very excited, as I'm sure you are, Virgil, about who these actors are. Uh, and besides, besides this, um, we also, you know, right now we're discussing music and scoring, and uh, since it's a romance and comedy, we are looking at different ideas of what the score and the music will look like. And as you know, my dad, he's a composer. Uh, he's scored a lot of uh, a lot of our films and. Uh, he he's received uh, awards for his music for his scoring. He's very you know he's been playing music since he was six years old and uh, and he's just a genius, phenomenal composer. I'm sure very Joe, you uh, you remember some of his works. Oh, absolutely, wonderful. Now that is that is great news, and I I just think that it, that it's amazing. You, um, you finished the screenplay. And um, I had no idea that you had two actors in mind when you wrote the screenplay to play Harry and Elizabeth Lawrence. I had no idea. And then to think that you've actually contacted those two actors and they are interested in playing the two roles, uh, I I just am am bowled over at that. Uh, I know it it takes a long time to get get a movie going, but to come this far with it. Um, I'm really uh, pleased and want to congratulate you on that. But what is the biggest challenge that... Well, uh, the biggest challenge, actually, you, I think as you, uh, um, as you pointed out, it's, uh, it is getting in finance. And, you know, there's just so many different uh, obstacles to that. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's really nothing new. For example, a friend of mine, she works with a company called Sequelia Pictures. I, I'm not sure if you've heard of it or anybody um, who's in our, any of our listeners have, but Security Pictures is a, is a Martin Scorsese-owned company, and a friend of mine, she's actually a junior producer in the company, and she read the script. She really liked the script, and she expressed her interest in working on this project. Um, uh, however, uh, she told me, it was very interesting, she's working on the film with Martin Scorsese right now, and they're filming it in Taiwan, and uh, the film is called Silence. It's going to be his next uh, project, which which is going to come to theaters near you once it's reaching once once it will reach completion. And uh, she told me that uh, it took it took them to almost 20 years, 20 years. A Martin Scorsese film. Uh, it took 20 years to uh, get it to where it is. So I'm, I'm hoping it's not going to take this long. But there, this story obviously it's uh, it's it's like a 17th century story about uh, uh, persecution of, uh, of, of Jesuit priests in, uh, in Japan. Uh, I think it's adapted from a novel. And, uh, and anyway, so it's obviously the budget is much higher. I think that she said it was a, initially at uh, $70 million and they put it down to $35 million, which is why they decided to shoot it in Taiwan. 
But uh, when she oh. told me it took them 20 years to make this project to actually get the final thing, and she even didn't know she was working on a show with HBO, with HBO in Los Angeles, and uh, she told me only last month that they finally got greenlit, and they really just when they thought they they would they got the final the final uh, uh, closing deal, they didn't get it, and and suddenly something happened. The final investor came in, and uh, and they decided to make it. So it's uh. You know, it took a little bit of time, but uh, it's good news because I think uh, I think this project would be a lot easier to finance simply because uh, simply because of the two actors, and uh, I am very very you know hopeful. I'm I'm meeting a lot with producers and financiers, and actually today I have a meeting uh, later tonight with somebody who's uh, uh, who's very interested in the project, and you know a lot of it is just relationship building and. Uh, getting people to trust you and getting them to hear more about this project. And I think this is why it's very important to have uh, shows like this uh, where we can talk about it and we can, um, you know, update our listeners on uh, on the on the, on, uh, on progress and you know read some pages from the right. script. And hopefully, I'm actually very hopeful that we can get our two actors to come on your show fairly soon, so we can surprise our listeners with who they are and they can uh, wow. they can read <laughs> can. Uh, read some I'm of the so pages. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm so excited about that. I just can can hardly wait. I cannot believe that our time is almost up. And I want to thank everyone, uh, Misha and Denise and Diana, for being such a terrific guest again today, and and to James for doing an excellent job as co-host. And I want to remind the listeners, don't forget to take part in the fourth anniversary relaunch of It Had to Be Us. And the easiest way to do that is just to go over to www.bettyjoetucker.com, and uh, there will be uh, instructions as to how to do that. And uh, if, if you don't want to do that, you can just purchase the little $5.99 book. And remember that uh, that some of what you pay for that book will be going to the Imagination Library. Well, this is Betty Jo Tucker giving a big shout-out to the folks at Blog Talk Radio for their support, as well as to Nikki Starr for everything she does as our producer to make Movie Attic Headquarters happen. Special thanks to our chatters and other listeners for tuning in. We hope everyone enjoyed the show. Please come back next time for another spirited discussion about movies. And that's all for now, but in keeping with our romantic theme, let's go out with Brian Ferry performing one of the most romantic themes from movies ever. It's from Casablanca, so I'm sure you'll all recognize it. Remember this A kiss is still a kiss A sigh is just a sigh The fundamental things apply As time goes by And when two lovers move They still say I love you On that you can rely No matter what the future brings As time goes by 
day Hearts full of passion Jealousy and hate Woman needs man And man must have his name That no one can deny It's still the same old story A fight for love and glory A case of do or die Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.